I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 35. And we're going to come to that in a moment. As you will see from the screen, my title today is The Return. Hmm. Normally when people would talk about that in a Christian setting, it would be about the return of Jesus. And you know what? In some way it's related. But I'm focusing on a whole swathe of biblical history in which the prophets proclaimed ahead of time even before they were taken into exile that God would cause them to return return to the land uh, I find it good to keep in my mind some of the background history so we have two kingdoms that divided after King Solomon the northern kingdom which had Samaria as the capital the southern kingdom which had Jerusalem and the temple and there was a bit of tension between these two but Israel the northern kingdom was the first to succumb to decades of apostasy and worship of false gods and the Assyrians came and took them away then a couple of generations later the same thing happened to Jerusalem which was unthinkable no 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 we've got the temple God won't allow his holy temple to fall and yet the sin of Judah was so great that it happened now that sounds very very negative and uh, we've got to handle the fact that God is a God who is for us but he's against sin right he's the holy God I was thinking this morning again reflecting on this you know God is the ultimate reality I don't know who I'm talking to right now but early in the morning and this thought I often have this thought and I often say this but I wanted to say it again today if you put yourself on the wrong side of ultimate reality you put your side put yourself on the other side of life if God is the originator of all things then we must make sure we are aligned with ultimate reality and you cannot mess with ultimate reality and you don't blame the reality which you have rejected and there are consequences in these things that's just I don't know why maybe nobody here needed to hear that but there are some people out there who struggle with this concept of the judgment of God the God of love his love and his judgment go hand in hand anyway so even God's people were visited but God said sent many many prophets and said I will bring you back and I will restore you one classical verse is Zechariah 1 verse 3 return to me says the Lord of hosts and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts wonderful return to me so the return that I'm talking about is not just physical and geographical it is moral and spiritual now step by step 
poco a poco, we are returning to the KT building after lockdown and other buildings in our network and in our city. This return coincides with a, an even more important return, a fresh return to the Lord. Now what I'm doing today is drawing some parallels from the story of the exiles returning. I, I don't believe that Zachariah was thinking, oh, I better write this for Pastor Colin Dye in Kensington Temple. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts. He is speak, preaching to the exiles, some who had already begun to return, and he is encouraging them. But the principles can be extended to us. And, and where the principle ends by, in terms of biblical exposition, we can still draw some parallels to help us with our return. And this is the story of the exiles returning to Judah and receiving the blessing and help from God that was waiting for them. Yahweh Shama. You know what that means? <laughs> Excuse my pronunciation. It means the Lord who is there. Do you know that? Shama. I am with you, I am there. Do you know what that promise was? The promise was the returning exiles to the land would discover God would be there waiting for them. I want to tell you God is waiting for you here. Now, I've got to be careful, I, I, I don't want to exaggerate this, I want you to know exactly what I'm doing. Because the return to the physical building is going to correspond to a new move of God. Okay, that's where I'm heading. So, the big return is taking place. It's like the long thaw of a Nordic spring. The big return, shops are opening, retail outlets. Let me take a look. Yes, hairdressers are beginning to open, and barbers, and gyms, and sports, and holidays. Sorry if you went to Spain, you've got to come back and wait quietly for two weeks. Sorry about that. Workplaces are opening and church buildings. Now, what do you feel about this? What's your, what's your emotion? Is it relief? Oh, finally, we can get back. Is it apprehension? Mm, not quite sure. I want to come back to that because it's a real, real thing going on in my mind. And I don't think I'm an exception. I'm going to come back to that. Apprehension? Caution, steady on, steady on. We've got to take all the precautions and, and that's good and, and we are able to do this because we've been through risk assessment, we've done it accordingly, been tested, inspected and all of this so we can be sure that we're taking care of your safety and health. Now all of these things are good responses in their own place, I, I, I do believe believe that. But as followers of Christ, we can look at things in a different way. Our confidence is in the Lord. Amen? And in what He is doing. Now, I spent a long time, and Amanda with me, side by side, morning by morning, talking about what we felt, and others too, God was saying and doing through coronavirus. And so just refresh some of that. It was an alarm bells ringing. It was God getting the attention of the nations of the world. It's God touching, refining his people, and, and many, many other things. But we know that God is up to something. And we know it's something big. 
I have never, in my own personal experience, you, you, you um, bear me out if, if it's been different with you, I don't think it is. I have never found that God has allowed some difficulty in my life, even stuff I brought on myself, you know? It's not all saying, oh, I'm so holy, this must be the devil or the Lord, because this ain't, ain't me. Sometimes we get it in the neck because we've messed up. But I have never experienced that God allows some difficulty to come into my life other than surrender to him, it releases a blessing bigger than I've ever experienced before. Did you catch that? How many people know that feeling? in your life, and maybe you haven't yet got it yet, everything, because sometimes there's things I don't think we're gonna fully understand this side of heaven. But God is up to something, all right? And so our confidence is in him. Now, Isaiah 35, that's the chapter, uh, verse 10. I'm gonna open it all, because I might want to refer to it in a moment. Um, and I'm under, not putting myself under pressure today uh, to try and say everything. I just want to wait before the Lord because there is so much to learn about what God did when the exiles began to return. And there's so many parallels to be drawn. This passage is an amazing passage. It talks about the, the, the restoration, which goes beyond any land restoration. Isaiah 35, we're going to jump to verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return. Would you be prepared to say that after me, return very loudly? Would you be prepared to do that? Return. return. Amen. Oh, you said it. Say it again. It's like prophetic. You know, sometimes preachers do that just for amusement, just to break the ice, and I suppose sometimes just to annoy people. But, but I really want you to do it because I, I sense in this as a tingling in my spine. Would you kindly stand? Let's, let's take this further. Let's take this further. And I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say three times, very strong and in faith, prophetically, return, return, return. Join us at home and do this. Okay, one, two, three. Return, return, return. Thank you. Please be seated, everybody. When the lady said it, there was so much faith there, it was great. Not, not that it wasn't when we said it, but it just was fantastic. Amen and amen. There's going to be a return. Going to be a return. And the ransoms of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. You know, when you read through those long chapters in the book of Jeremiah, and it's so heavy, and the judgment is prophesied, and you feel so heavy, and ever so often there comes some word of hope, and you grab those rays of hope, and, and remember that even in the midst of judgment, God remembers mercy, and his judgment is about bringing about his purposes, cleansing his people, restoring his glory, furthering his redemption purposes, and there is coming a time that God says, the redeemed of the Lord, the ransomed of the Lord, shall return. Now, of course, that was a prophecy way ahead of time, 
which spoke into the generation of the return from exile, physically to the land. But when you read it, the language is so extravagant, the language is so glorious, that you and I understand it's talking about something more than the return of a physical people to a physical land. It's talking about the consummation of God's purposes in bringing blessing and salvation and deliverance into the earth through Jesus Christ. And here the joy is not here today, gone tomorrow. It is an everlasting joy. And the sorrow and sighing that shall flee away is that which shall never return again. It's talking about the future life. And there are many, many, many wonderful prophecies of return. The exile coming to an end. But we know that even by, at the coming of Jesus, the exile was not completely over. It was to do with the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. But way back then, God was prophesying of, number one, a return to a place. That is, the land. And in order to do this, God was going to perform a new miracle. A new exodus. If you remember, uh, the children of Israel in Egypt were stuck by the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army behind, marshy land to one side, mountainous side, no escape. So God made a way where there was no way. He opened the Red Sea, he parted the Red Sea, and his children went through on dry ground. It was the miracle that gave redemptive birth, following the Passover meal, redemptive birth to the people of God in the Old Testament. Glorious time. Now God says, I'm going to do it again. But this time, it's not going to be the sea, but the wilderness is going to open up for you. I'm going to make a way where there is no way. And in doing that, God is transforming everything around us. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. Isaiah 35 verse 1. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a crocus. And it goes on and on and on. Transformation. All because God's people are being brought back to God's land. That's what it was all about. Now for us, our return that I'm talking about is that it, it, it is connected with a physical place. I'm going to put so many caveats in this that you won't be able to misunderstand me. But God is going to cause us to return to assembling in the building. Now, so what? Okay, lockdown, we can't go. Now we have Zoom and we'll come back when it's all over. No, 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 no. It's not like that. It's just something more than physical. Now, during lockdown, we're so grateful that we have, you know, social media, we have video conferencing, we have cell leaders visiting and, and speaking, but, and we, we thrive under lockdown because our faith does not depend on a building. However, the building is a tool. And I just know, just know, 
that when we're back to full strength here, we're going to see an outbreak of praise and worship and joy and freedom and deliverance because we're not going back to business as usual. We're going back to move forward. Amen and amen. And uh, I just want to emphasize this again. The way through the wilderness, what's that all about? You need to know that very, very often in Hebrew language and thinking, the wilderness was a place which was rife with the demonic. Wild animals and demons lived in the desert. That is in the Hebraic understanding. Now, of course, that doesn't literally mean that wherever you see a dry place, there's a demon there. Or a demon under every cactus. No, but it's symbolic. And I think this is wonderful. No demon in hell is going to stop the church from returning. No. God's going to make a way where there is no way. And at a time like that, nothing is going to be impossible, believe me. So we are returning to a place which is linked to what happens in this building. But I'm not calling this the temple of the Lord. Kensington Temple is just the name of a building, right? But it's important and it's going to be so exciting when we can do that, provided we hold on to what we learnt in the lockdown and not drop that, bring it together. And the wonderful combination of coming together in a building, celebrating in the power of God and going from there to do what we were doing in the lockdown, BKT without walls. Number one, return to a place, the land. Number two, return renewed. Ah, I love this. We're not going to return as we went. We're going to come back better. Better. Ah. We don't want to waste, how many months has it been? Four, five months. Six months takes us to the beginning of September. Seven, eight, nine takes us to November. If Mr. Boris Johnson is right to say we'll have more freedom before Christmas. Months, months, months. And God has not put your spiritual life on hold over these last four or five months. He's been working in us in a new way. And that's why we have to overcome some of the obstacles. I said I'd come back to this, the sense of vulnerability. Now, I travel the world. I go to places where it's quite tricky. I've got to watch myself because of security issues. And I'm not easily intimidated. But you know, there is a psychology of lockdown and we have to fight it. There's such a thing called social anxiety. And there are people who've developed something similar without really realizing it because they've been shut down, closed down, not seeing people, they want to see people, but it's a bit scary. Um, I, I was traveling, I had to go somewhere in the, in the car half an hour in a different direction than from normal, and I thought, ever so strange in the car. I was perfectly safe, I thought, ever so strange. This is, I feel uncomfortable. And I realized it was the psychology of lockdown that has to be reversed. Now, there are good reasons for us to retain, uh, be, be attentive and cautious, but there is no place for fear. 
and let that work in your mind. And I'm openly declaring it to you. I'm not saying it's a serious problem, but it's enough of something that I notice even in myself that I thought I'd better talk about because if I'm feeling that, maybe some others are feeling that. Maybe you don't. That's good. God bless you. You don't have to feel that. But if you do, it's not wrong. Uh, we're going to overcome that. And one of the things that's going to happen is we're going to experience this renewal which will coincide with the return. Look at Isaiah 10, 20 to 22. Isaiah 10, 20 to 22. In that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them, but will lean on the Lord the Holy One of Israel in truth. A remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. For though your people Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. Destruction is decreed, overflowing with righteousness. Now you can see there's a lot of stuff that's packed in there. First of all, there's this word remnant, and survivors. Now you will know that when the people of God were taken in captivity, not all of them survived. And certainly not all of them thrived. Which is why God said to the exiles in Babylon, which is much later than our passage, but God said to them, look, stay here, pray for the prosperity of this city because it'll be your prosperity, build houses, marry, learn the language and thrive in exile. I did a series on thriving in exile recently. But not everybody survived. And then it goes on to say that uh, this was the working of the Lord. In other words, Destruction is decreed overflowing with righteousness. God said, I want my people to thrive, not just survive. And those who put their trust in the Lord, not in the false gods of the nations or in the leaders of those nations, those who leaned on the Lord were the ones who survived. It's really that easy. So if you want to survive, amen, then lean. Lean on the Lord. But it's not just leaning on the Lord. There is a negative here. It says, they will not lean on the ones who hurt them, who struck them. Does that sound strange to you? They'll no more lean on him who struck them. What's that talking about? It's talking about the people of Israel during the Assyrian uh, invasion and uh, uh, the, in, in Judah during the Babylonian invasion they were trusting in the nations around them to help them survive they made all kinds of unholy alliances putting their trust in the gods of those nations and in the leaders of those nations and every one of them betrayed the people of God you cannot trust in anything or anyone other than the name of the Lord. And I, I think this is one of the most wonderful things about returning from lockdown. Because it means that we, are, we have learned a lesson. 
that the arm of flesh will fail you. Just, just look at it. I know some people now are not particularly connected with Kensington Temple who have, who have so lost their way. When I knew them years ago, they were, you know, like a bit iffy about where the, what they were doing and who they were depending on. And if you depend on anything or anyone other than the living God, it, they, or that will finally oppress you. So check it out in your heart. Say, God, I don't want to have any idols in my life. I want to put all my trust. If R.T. Kendall was here, he'd say, put all your eggs in, the set in one basket. He would say that. Put all your eggs in that one basket. The basket of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now then, it says a remnant will return. And this remnant will be overflowing with righteousness, which is the blessing of the Lord. They passed the test. They're now fully trusting the Lord. And they're returning to a higher place. It's, I tell you what it's like. It's like your boss, uh, Katie's staff members, don't get any ideas now, all right? It's like your boss saying, go on holiday, go on furlough. And after furlough, which is not a holiday, I know, so don't sue me, Mr. Chancellor of the Exchequer. And then when you return to work, they say, oh, no, no, that's not your office. You're going higher. We promoted you in your absence. You're going to find God's promotion come upon your life. I'm so excited about this. I don't want to overstate it and, you know, make all kind of fanciful things. I want to really, really contain this and bring it right down to what I am seriously convinced of. You're going to return to a higher place of worship. I have no doubt about that. We are starved of the full experience of worship. I'm not saying we can't worship on our own. I'm not saying we can't worship behind a mask. I'm not saying that, but the full expression of corporate worship when we're gathered in the great assembly, which is reminiscent of heaven on a small scale, when we all join together, we're going to come back and we're going to enjoy the presence of God together, having been starved of this experience so, so longing. A little uh, symbol of that is that places where I go, where people are not allowed to assemble together, not openly and freely. Went to one place. I won't tell you where. And I got to st mustn't tell too many stories because we've got to get ready for our chicken and rice. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so we went to a place, to a, a country. And there we prayed. And there we waited. And the Holy Spirit went out into the neighboring country and caused five believers who had never met each other or had never met together in a Christian meeting. And the Holy Spirit drew them, there were five, right to where we were. And that's where we taught them. You see, 
when God does the gathering, he brings us into something new. Whenever we go through time of stress and difficulty, if we sanctify that experience to the Lord, we come out, Pentecostal language, more anointed than ever before. More blessed, stronger than before. Higher in worship, number one. Number two, higher in holiness. There is a highway there which is the, 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 the road along which God comes, building a highway, a highway of holiness. And, and this is not going to be, all right, now we've finished with lockdown. I've got some news for you. We've added 25 new rules that you must follow in this church. Double tithes once a month no you know holiness is 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 being carried higher into the presence of god it's enjoying him more than ever before we're going to do that higher levels of faith um what am i saying this is not something you're going to have to work at we need to respond to it but this is this is the move of god this is what god is going to be bringing higher faith now, whenever there's difficulty, what difficulty are we going to face? Economic difficulty, job, unemployment, finances, what are we going to face? All, all kinds of things. But we're going to learn the language of faith. Jesus said, have the faith of God, and if you say to this mountain, be removed, it shall be. A mountain is anything that stands between you and the will of God. And we're going to have to rediscover what it is to speak to our mountains and to walk the walk of faith and talk the talk of faith. And we're going to experience, I believe, new levels individually, and I pray corporately, new levels of faith. And in it all, there's going to be higher engagement with God and his people. We will have learned how much we truly need each other. So it's a return to a place. We're going to return renewed. And we're also going to return with a job to do. And we are returning to rebuild. We're going to rebuild. And if you know your Bible history, you've got Ezra and Nehemiah, round about the time of Zechariah. Haggai and Zechariah are prophets prophesying and encouraging isn't it interesting during tough times God sends the prophets and you know we've, we've been waiting on the Lord there's been some prophecies we put them in revival times some of the people from Amanda's downline have been seeking God and we put, put some of those words in not that we are claiming that every word that says I the Lord saith unto thee is actually a, you know, an infallible word we don't believe that but we believe that God does communicate his heart through prophetic words right Cindy Jacobs way way back wonderful word wonderful word we put them in revival times do, do not forget to read my introduction there because there's some important teaching points about how we handle prophecy, right? Um, and then Ian Andrews. Ian Andrews uh, was around in the uh, 80s and 90s. Well, he's still around. I'm very sorry, 
Ian and Nico just stood around. But you know, he, that's when, when we knew him flourishing uh, in, in a very wide ministry of healing and deliverance. And, and he had a dream and God brought him here in a dream. It was more like one of these meetings and, and saw how diligent we were in trying to make sure that we, we do things correctly and, and so on. And then this amazing prophecy came out of that, that God was gonna bring back signs and wonders and this time it was gonna be operated by you. By you. So God's got great things for us. Time and again, when we were doing morning devotions, we'd be there and the Holy Spirit would come into the room and I'd feel his presence, we'd feel his presence and begin to prophesy the good things that God is going to do. And, and yeah, yeah. And it's about rebuilding and restoring. They had a job to do. Ezra, the temple, Nehemiah, the wall. A city without walls isn't protected. A city without the presence of God, it's not worth living in. And so rebuilding, now rebuilding the temple was a big job. Rebuilding the walls was a big job. And for us, as we return to the building, yep, there's some paintwork, cameras, please do not follow my gaze. There's stuff we need to do. We've, we, people have been donating for that, and uh, thank you for that. So there's, a, there's work, physical work to do in the building, but, but more importantly is the rebuilding of the body of Christ. Regathering people around the core values of who God has called us to be and the vision and values of this house. And we're going to make sure that people will gather in strength and in commitment. And those who are on the periphery, we say, come on in, come closer, come closer. And we will see a, a, a new mind to work and people will say I now know what my job is KT is not just a building where I come on Sunday and say my healer my sheilas and my hallelujahs and go home no it is a tool a building which is a tool where we can gather in number and seek the face of God and go from here to build ourselves to reach out to our friends to strengthen people to penetrate society and we can do it why because we're not alone we could do it if we were alone but we're not alone they turned the world upside down within a generation or two with just a bunch of people how much more could be done here? I say to you, many, many churches are hearing the same thing. We're going to see much more cooperation and coordination as we move to take the city for Jesus by his love and by his grace. Amen, amen and amen. What's the work? What did Jesus say? I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build your church. And he definitely didn't say, you will build my church. Wait there, I'm getting there. You might think, you might be puzzled. Wait there, I'm getting there. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's my job. 
So what's our job? Oh, you make disciples. You make disciples. I will build my church, you make disciples. And as we make disciples, it's him building his church. That is where we have to be. A little more cleansed. I, I, I'm not pointing the finger and saying, you know, but get me. A little more purified. Maybe a little more humble. Maybe chastened a bit under the good hand of God. And maybe there'll be a bit of a thinning out. But the remnant that shall return, and I pray, will be a very large remnant. Remnant doesn't have to be small. It just means not all. But those who do, will do so with a renewed inspiration and mandate from the Holy Spirit to join with Jesus in his work so that he can build his church as we make disciples. Are you ready for the return? Well, come back. Bit by bit. You know, we, we're into summertime and that's great. September. And we're going to be entering prayer and fasting in September. Now, then, but bit by bit. Bit by bit. Gradually. And we're praying there'll be no second spike. And the restrictions will gradually ease further and further and further. But there is coming a day. I wish, haven't actually asked the Holy Spirit for the specific day because sometimes I do that. He says, mind your own business. But, but you know, maybe I should. Maybe you should as well. But there is coming a day when these doors will be opened wide. And the thing that we thought could never happen, the church closed six months, nine months, and then opened to a whole new people, refined and renewed. Just to say, uh, we, we were getting messages from very concerned prophetic people in the church saying, oh, it's terrible. We see the church empty. The door's locked. Oh, it's terrible. And we imagine, I said, oh, this is, let's pray, let's pray. Well, what were they seeing? They were seeing the lockdown, bless them. God knew about it. God knew about it. Therefore, the ransomed of the Lord shall return to Zion. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. We're going to celebrate, we're going to rejoice, and we're going to work for Jesus. Amen? And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.